It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak at a very different time slot this week. Um, I have a guest of the week that couldn't make the normal Wednesday time slot. So we uh, a dynamic show. We change times to accommodate interesting people. So let's get straight into the show. Let's get into uh, some share, share screening, screen sharing. I don't know why I tongue twist around that one for so after all these times of doing this show. Anyway, let's get this going here. Bring myself down into minimum. And what have we got today in things with a Z? Well, actually, it's quite an exciting things with a Z because I've never, ever reviewed anything like this before. And in fact, the world hasn't seen anything like this before. So if you're watching the screen, these are the Sony Link Buds. I'm holding them up in my hand as well so you can see. It is, they're really small compared to some of the other um, in-ears that I've done or true wireless and I'm actually going to take it out because you really do need to see how small these little guys are. They are really, really small. So what's the interesting about the Sony Link Buds? Well, first of all, the design. They've been designed for always on or always wearing and I'm actually going to try and put one in while we're live. So I'm going to try and know how to. There we go. So it fits in nice and, and snug. Now, what you'll notice is that it actually doesn't go into the ear. Most earbuds nowadays have a little piece that come this way and go straight down into the ear canal. These sit in front of the ear as such. I don't even know what you call that part of the ear, but it sits over here. So basically, um, yeah, and then there's these little clips, they're little soft rubber clips that are interchangeable. There are four in the pack, and you find the right one that fits, that clips into the top of your ear, and boom, that's it. I'm going to put that back in there so I don't lose it. It is magnetized. Um, and let's talk about some of the features of the Sony Link Buds. In fact, let's get some uh, banners going on the screen so you can see where to even get these little guys. So, Sony Link Buds. Right. So, as I said, always in. Now, Sony has always done things differently. Um, they've innovated. They've got some really cool stuff. In fact, in some of the earliest Sony products I've played with, I actually believe they've over-engineered their products. And then especially on the apps, they have a lot going on. The link buds are no different in a good way. So the, Sony has a thing called DSEE, -E, which stands for Digital Sound Enhancement Engine. Basically, it's AI. It's their priority technology that what it does is it takes mp3s and aacs which are two different types of of music where you record songs um, and it upscales them it actually adds content and makes them almost high resolution so this is pretty cool you know i remember in the early days of wearing headsets if you had an mp3 that was i think they were i can't remember the kilobits i think it was like 96 kilobits 128 kilobits 256 kilobits and obviously the bigger the file size the better the quality of the song and there's nothing worse than listening to a song on what you had as high volume because the quality of the song was bad. And then the next track comes on, and that was a good quality track, and boom, eardrums ear go. So, you know, using technology to balance this, and this has been around for years, where you can keep your volume the same way, what DSSE does is it actually enhances it. So it adds and builds the missing parts that are there to give you a, a fuller sound. Now, the link pads are designed for you to actually hear the world around you. That little design that you can see, the little holes, they're actually sitting inside the ear. Um, those are actually designed, as I said, to so that you can leave them in all day. You don't actually have to listen. You have to take them out to listen. Um, I might have another slide. That's actually a better one that shows you how they look when they're actually in the ear. 
So your ear is not blocked by a rubber piece going down into the ear canal. It's actually clear, but the speaker and the sound is right there. This does mean that they're not active noise cancelling either. Okay, so for some people that might be a problem. Um, you know, you want to lock your whole world out and you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, you can't, you, you don't hear anything. Now, I work in noisy environments. I'm actually watching my cat run up and down and make noises in the background as we speak. So if I was sitting here working, for me, ANC is quite cool. That being said, they don't let in much. That takes me to one of the other features that has that the Link Buds have called adaptive volume control. So what it does is depending on the ambience around you, see what I did there? I worked that one in. So depending on the volume around you, the Link Buds will adapt will adapt, they will increase or decrease their volume. So if you're sitting in a very quiet environment, um, you know, not a coffee shop, um, the the, head, the headsets will actually drop down their volume so that you can still take in some of the ambience. Equally, if you're in a noisy environment, they'll actually increase up and try and block out some of the sounds. And it does work. Um, I sat here with a, a, a like a power drill going on in the background and the volume clearly increased and try to block out some of the sounds. So it is quite a cool feature. And again, remember, these were designed that you will leave them in all day. When you're talking to people, you don't actually have to take them out. And I'll get to that feature next. So it has a feature called Speak to Chat. I personally didn't keep this activated. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you why in a second. So what it does is Speak to Chat is as soon as you start speaking, or equally, if someone else starts speaking, it stops the music. And I think it can pause it. You can change that setting. I, as I said, I haven't got the feature on at the moment. Uh, five or 10 or 15 seconds. Now, the reason I haven't got that feature, so let's start with the pros on that. If you're sitting working and someone comes up to you and says, hey, Brett, it will stop the music. So you don't have to take the earbuds out. You know, this seems to be a feature, uh, you know, of taking earbuds out every time you go up to someone, go up to Jim, hey, mate, you're using that equipment, take one out. You're walking down this, the street, you walk into a shop, get a coffee. Hey, can I get a – you don't need to do that. Um, I have reviewed the Jabras before. They have a feature called Hear Through. You tap them and it, it reverses the mic so you can hear everything that's going on. It's still digitized, though, so it's got like a shh sound going on. What these do is it just pauses the music. And because your ears are not blocked, you can hear everything that's going on. So that's quite a cool feature. So why did I turn it off? Well, I turned it off because I like talking to myself. I might be sitting there, songs going, and I'm, mm, drop that bass. And of course, when I say that, it stops the music. So you get to that nice crescendo, and then when the bass is supposed to drop, uh, yeah, it doesn't because I've paused it. So if you talk to yourself, it might not be a feature you want to use. Um, the other thing that's quite unique, and I've got the image, this image that I've put up on the screen for a reason, and for those listening, I'll, I'll describe through it. When you need to tap to fast forward or pause or um, activate your your assistant. Um, by the way, you can just tap to, you can just speak to chat for your assistant. If you're using an Android device, it works really well. You just go, okay, Google, and everything stops. Uh, that doesn't work on an iPhone. Um, you've got to use Alexa, which is the other voice assistant that's programmed in or pre-programmed. Um, and if Alexa is not set up on your iPhone, you have to jump through a couple of hoops. That being said, if you do go um, hey Siri, it will pause and because you're using the headset. But sticking with wide tap, so what actually happens is you don't tap on the earbud, you tap here on the area in front of you. 
So for those listening, where your side sideburns would be, like that piece of the ear that sticks out, because the link buds are underneath there and touching there, you effectively are touching them, but you're not tapping on the link bud itself. And it felt a bit weird at first, like double tapping myself here, uh, but yeah, or triple tapping, it, but it does work. So yeah, they call that wide area tap. And that's, as I said, just to skip or, or play the next track. Now, I mentioned pairing. So link pads do have Google's fast pair. Now, this is similar to the AirPods. When you, If you have an iPhone and AirPods, as soon as you open the box, they automatically pair. In fact, your AirPods will, your AirPods will pop up on the screen. I only know this because I've seen this. I just want to give a shout out that uh, our guest today is in the waiting area, so I can see you there. Um, and um, basically, you, it does the same thing. So if you're using an Android phone, um, Google Fast Pair technology does exactly the same thing. The Sony LinkPads do have that. So as soon as you open the lid, boom, they paired. The other thing is they've added a feature called Spotify Tap. Now, Spotify Tap, as you would think, is you put the, earbud, the link buds back in and you tap in the wide area. And if you've got Spotify Premium, that's the one down for you do need to have Premium, it will automatically start playing the music from where you left off. Now, that's very cool. You don't have to open your phone, don't have to open the app, don't have to go back. You just tap and Spotify starts playing. So that was quite a nice feature. The other feature that they support is Microsoft Soundscape. Now, this is something I spoke about many years ago when it first launched. I think Soundscape's been in Australia for about three years now. And what it is, it's a feature that helps impaired people navigate while walking around. So Microsoft Soundscape basically, like if you think Google Maps, um, it, it, it knows where you are based on your location and it speaks to you. So it tells you there's a traffic light coming up or maybe tells you there's a coffee shop coming up. I haven't really looked at Soundscape for a while and I assumed the play was that businesses would load their businesses so that Soundscape would tell you it's there. I don't know if any businesses have. I personally haven't loaded onto Soundscape and that's purely because I don't use Microsoft for many things if I can avoid it. But the LinkBuds do support Soundscape. So, um, yeah, um, and then they do have a thing called uh, 360 Reality Audio. Now, this is basically Sony's answer to Apple's spatial, spatial audio. Um, what's really cool is they give you a coupon in the box so that you can actually try out. I think it's Tidal. Um, it might be Spotify, and I think these are with a – I use Tidal for my trial. So 360 uh, Reality Audio is basically 8K audio. So Apple's spatial, Sony's now got 360 Reality Audio. But if you go onto YouTube and look for 8K music, um, you'll get that same type of effect where this music just comes at you from all over the place. And it really is quite cool. Right, some of the tech specs. Um, so first off, as I said, uh, they have all the smarts of AR, but they're not noise canceling. They will block out a lot of the um, surrounding sounds, but if you're looking for 100% block out, well, earbuds are probably never the right way to go. Then you need to go with over the ears. Um, but these are probably going to give you about 90% uh, ANC. Five and a half hours of battery with another 12 odd in the case. I think Sony says that you get about 19 in total. Um, I did actually use them for about four hours and never ran out. And I don't know if there were 12 hours in the case, but I really don't think that people are going to put things out there that aren't there. Um, they're USB-C, so there's no wireless charging, which is something I've kind of become used to. And I have quite a few little cool toys. Some I've reviewed before where you just 
put the case on and starts charging. However, being USB-C, 10 minutes will give you about 90 minutes of charge. So, you know, if you're running low and you still need to use your, your, your link buds, um, pop them back in the case if the case is dead for whatever reason um, or if the case is fully charged, then, yeah, 10 minutes will give you about 90 minutes. IPX4, so this means that they splash and sweat-resistant, not water-resistant. You can't go swimming. And then... Um, Feature that's becoming more and more popular these days and something that I love is any ear. So the reason that Sony does it and a lot of the others is that using two each individual device to connect via Bluetooth, you get better sound. But what's cool is I can have just the left ear in instead of the right only, which has always been something I've moaned about. Right, so where do we sit on the Kristen Hirsch scale? Oh, I talked about the app. Let me quickly, I've got some screens up as well. The app is really, really involved. You can measure your ears. You can actually play songs within the app. Um, you can set your equalizers. You can find your device. So they've got the tracking as well. You can get a quick stat on um, battery life. But I brought this up because if you do, if you are watching as opposed to listening and you see the one screen there, I've got bass boost. We use that for the Kristen Hirsch scale. So the Kristen Hirsch scale, if you don't know, is a song called Your Ghost, unbelievable deep long playing bass. I use this for every headset that I um, I review. And I have to say, considering that there's no ANC, I have to give the Sony LinkBuds a 7, which is really, really good. Um, as I said, the fact that these are not active noise cancelling. The bass boost was good. Um, I did play around and put it back onto treble mode. And, uh, yeah, so 7 on the Kristen Hur scale. Uh, if you are watching, you can go to store.sony.com.au and they are offering a love them or money back guarantee because some people might find it a bit weird to get used to that side. It did take me a couple of days. If you are going to get a pair of link buds, um, I think the love them or money back guarantee is a 14-day guarantee. At least go the week. It does take a bit of time. It's now solid plastic that's sitting in your ears as opposed to in your ear canal. Might seem uncomfortable for some. The materials that they use, besides being recycled, are really, really well engineered, and you do get used to them. And I said you can change the little clips, the little loops at the top to make sure it's a good fit. Right, so that takes us to the end of uh, Things with a Z. What do we have in tech news? Ah, so Apple's announced uh, we can expect two new Macs at WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Congress. I'm assuming a MacBook Air with M2 processor, maybe, but no one knows. And also, we've got no idea what the second one could be because there have been quite a few different uh, devices that have come out. Uh, Google Maps will soon display traffic lights, stop signs, and tolls. This is a feature that I really like. Um, I think, I'm not sure, but I think TomTom Tom does it. I think Waze does it. And I just don't, I, I find Waze a little bit gimmicky. It's It always takes me on the fastest route, which is not necessarily the best thing that depends on where I want to be. But the other reason why I mentioned the update is that um, you will also be able to use um, Google Maps on your Apple Watch without your phone. Now, if you're riding a bike or a motorbike, that's a great feature. Um, I've always had to use Apple Maps so that I don't have to look at my phone and I can actually just see a directional change on my watch. So Google Maps will be doing that soon. So well done. Very cool. Uh, what do we have next? Right, so last week I spoke about Elon Musk buying 9.2% um, of Twitter and maybe getting a board seat. Uh, this week we have to say Elon Musk being Elon Musk has changed his mind and he's not taking a board seat. 
Staying with Elon, uh, Tesla robot could start next year. And this is a bit scary. Um, and I've tried to do quite a few things in the engineering space, so, and you'll see why, why soon, because it will give us some topics of discussion with our guest. So, um, yeah, Optimus, I think he's calling it, or is a humanoid robot that we could see coming early next year. Um, it was previously known at the, as the Tesla bot. Um, it's going to be a general purpose machine doing a wide range of tasks. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of saying, so Musk is basically being Musk and saying that Optimus will eventually be able to do anything that humans don't want to do. Awesome for cleaning toilets and cars, maybe, or barbecues. Um, but, you know, yeah, I'm just kind of thinking of that movie that came out a few years ago with this little steel robot where everything went wrong and, um, yeah, I'll be back. So... Let's see what happens. Is the play that these become drivers for cars that aren't smart cars or aren't Teslas? I don't know. Um, right. This, I think, is the last thing I've got in my news segment. Um, yeah. So if you're watching the show, there's a lady doing tap and pay with her hand. Now, we spoke about this again on the, on the show a few years ago. Someone had gone and put an NFC chip into his hand. Well, Wallet Mall is now doing it officially. So if you look at the screen, you'll see it. It looks almost the size of a grain of rice. They inject it into your hand between your thumb and your index finger. And it's a tiny microchip with an antenna. Um, and you can program it to be your credit card or your Opal card if you're in Sydney or your Mikey card if you're in Melbourne. I'm trying to think of what the one is in the Gold Coast. The G. Um, I don't know. So, yeah. Would you get a chip was a question that was asked from me. Probably the answer is yes. I quite like tech. I like the fact of human 2.0. So I would probably put one of those into my hand as well. Um, and then I could pay with it. And it's, it's conversational, if nothing else. Right. So I mentioned that I have someone sitting in studio. I have a guest of the week. Um, let's just quickly go back into full screen mode so we can get us all together on the same page. And where's my screens? Um, oh, that's not working. So we're going to bring Rosie in. Rosie Barnes is joining us today. And I think that's the button I'm looking for. There we go. Hey, Rosie, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? It took me yeah, a minute very to, good, find the, to find the right tab too. <laughs> we, we've had you waiting in there for a few minutes. Sorry, I never know how long that waiting period is going to be. And we always do the guests at the end of the week because that way, if I run out of time from the show, at least I don't run out of time on you. I can just leave some of the other things. So, Rosie, yep, thanks no for joining us. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, someone reached out to me and said, would you like to get Rosie on the show? And I said, I'd love to have Rosie on the show. We need to know what Rosie does to get on the show. I always have <laughs> guests to introduce themselves. Uh, but I'm just going to give a little bit of a preamble, and that was why some of the tech news things that I did today were trying to tackle a little bit more of an, an engineering side of things. So, Rosie, you have a PhD in mechanical engineering, um, and I know that you're also very active on YouTube. In fact, I think you're, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Engineering with Rosie, right? The YouTube channel? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, engineering, helping um, women get into the field of mechanical engineering, which has up until now been pretty male-dominated, and I suppose STEM would come into this as well, I would assume, if we're talking about engineering and maths. Did I, did I get it right? Yeah, I think that the E in STEM is engineering, isn't it? Science, yeah, science, technology, engineering, maths. So, yep, it's it's right in there. I never know. Um, I just <laughs> it hurts my head. You know, the days when I went to school it was maths, and in fact, 
Um, I think I've actually mentioned this on the show before. When I did industrial arts, which is like tinkering, for lack of a better word, um, and uh, technical drawing, at the end of that year, when you know, before you choose your subjects, my teacher told me I will be taking accountancy because uh, I'm clearly not designed for engineering or technical drawing <laughs> or anything along those lines. And, and in fact, oh, in his sad. defense, I had to make a thing that held toast. And I had yeah. five slots on the one side and four slots on the other, and not one of them lined up. So I think he was right. It wasn't my calling. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rosie, tell us about what you do. Um, I'm very interested, obviously, and also on the YouTube side of things and, you know, and what got you into YouTube, especially from a mechanical engineering point of view. So, yeah. Okay, so I mean, my my main job is I um, I run a, a company, a consulting company uh, on renewable and clean energy technologies. So I advise clean tech product developers and in, investors in those types of technologies, advise right. them on the competitive landscape that they're operating in, and you know help them to figure out the strategy and and risks, and you know kind of steer steer through that whole area because you know it's so complicated. At the moment, the energy transition, it, you can't just, you know, look at your own little tiny segment of the market anymore. Um, you have to consider what's going on in, in other segments too. So, um, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting work. Um, before that, I was working in a variety, of, I was an engineer working in a variety of renewable energy technologies. So most recently in wind energy, I was working for a, a Danish wind turbine manufacturer um, up until the pandemic. Um, yeah, and before was that, that over in uh, in Denmark or was yeah. that here? No, no, in Denmark. Yeah, oh, and cool. um, so I was working in factories all around the world, making wind turbine blades and climbing wind turbine towers to you know see the technology and in, in the flesh and see you know if there were problems, uh, warranty claims or maintenance issues or just to you know track how the the technologies that I had you know, designed or project managed, making sure that they're working the way that you want them to in the field. It's really good job because, I mean, as an engineer, you kind of like the experience that you you get, the difference between an engineer with 20 years experience compared to a fresh one is that, you know, after 20 years, I've seen things break so many times. I know <laughs> I know how things, how things break. So you look yep. at a, a new technology, a new product, and you're like, okay, this is going to break in this way, this way, and, and you test those first. So it's actually can, very you know, cool. And, I mean, that must yeah. also expedite um, the, the path to market, right? Because when yeah. you're in your R&D phase, which I think for people listening or watching the show, that's the most important stage. That's when the money is going to be determined and at what goes forward. So as you said, if you know when something's going to break and someone comes to you and says, this is awesome, it's going to do this, and you're going to, eh, mate, no, it's not because it's going to fall over and break <laughs> off at, its, at its point. You know, and you're going to have this blade go flying at 500 kilometers an hour <laughs> that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I usually say to my – On mechanical engineering. Now – how does that differ from industrial engineering or are they the same kind of fields that still get to play with cool components and, and toys? So um, I don't know about industrial engineering as a field. I know industrial design is. Um, Sorry, you know, industrial combining... design. That's when they yeah. design the components. Do you have to work at that stage or do you wait for the designs to come in and tell them it's going to break? 
Yeah, I don't I don't do that type of design. So industrial design is usually it's like a combination of, you know, developing a product that has to has to work and, and do something. Um, but right. in combination with, you know, being nice to use and nice to look at. Um, so I usually think of it as, you know, like some combination between an engineer and an architect more, whereas I'm just working on things things working uh, i always never <laughs> have to worry about what things look like um you know there be other people in the the company that would do that but yeah it's purely just about um what does it need to do and how can we make it do that in a reliable way and um cheap as well it's usually a lot about cost saving um okay. yeah and even though so my background is mostly mechanical my bachelor degree was in systems engineering which is kind of a bit of everything um and then within mechanical, specialized on composite materials, so like carbon fiber, fiberglass, those sorts of things, um, and also aerodynamics. Um, and that's why I went into wind. But then once you're working as an engineer, it's pretty hard to stay purely focused on one thing unless you're maybe, you know, like a, a researcher at a university. They, they get very specific. But in industry, you work on whatever, and there's no product that's a pure mechanical product product you know so yeah. it's always going to include bits of electrical engineering as well and probably bits of um, you know like control systems and manufacturing is a big big part of it very related to mechanical so um, yeah it all all kind of mixes together so I think yeah yeah for anyone listening that you know is trying to choose what kind of engineering that they want to study I, I think it's fine to just choose what you like to study you'll definitely branch out <laughs> beyond that once you start working. I've got a mate who's a chemical engineer. Um, we were very disappointed that he couldn't find a way to fast track the production of 20 year old whiskey in two days, but that's a story <laughs> for another day. But um, what I, I'm really interested also on the YouTube side of things. So you mentioned the pandemic. And I mean, when the pandemic hit two years ago, whatever it was now, um, you know, mm -hmm. we kind of all pivoted and moved indoors and hid from the sun. And looking at myself on the screen, I looks like I'm still hiding from the sun. I definitely need to go and get some. But, um, you know, you've moved into YouTube. Tell us about the YouTube channel uh, and, and what it is. Because, you know, I'm thinking mechanical engineering and also you've mentioned wind turbines and these are big things that you're not bringing into your house and going, hi, everyone, this is a wind turbine. You know, so, so take us through the YouTube channel a bit. I have got a little, I can't see it now. Somewhere in here I do have a little wind turbine model. But, oh, um, yeah. oh, Such no, an engineer. Yeah, see? So there you go. You can, you can bring it in. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. Usually I uh, am not bringing in what I'm talking about into, into my studio. Since lockdowns have ended, I am trying to get out as much as possible, um, more so just because that's more interesting for me than it is because the videos don't go better. The best videos are usually just me talking at the, the camera, but I um, don't enjoy making those videos as much as I enjoy going to a project and seeing what's happening. So my most recent one, I was in um, Perth for a, a work trip. And while I was there, I got in touch with somebody I had worked with before. Um, he's got a... a clean tech company that he's co-founded um it's a solar thermal system so it uh, blows okay, so air you, over you explain that to us a, a yeah. solar people, a solar yeah so you take a, a solar panel regular solar panel and then um solar panels they get less efficient as they get hotter so in perth you know it goes over 40 degrees regularly solar panels might be as high as 100 degrees at that time oh. and so they can be like 20 or more percent um less efficient than they you know you would expect them to be when they're tested in lab conditions 
So what this guy's company Sunavate does is it blows air over the back of the panel, cools down the panel, but then you also get the the heat that you can, the hot air that you can use for something else. So, um, you know, you can use it to heat your pool or heat your hot water or in like Northern Europe, they put the heat into a big thermal store and they can, you know, just heat this hot water up and leave it sitting there until wintertime um, and then use wow. that to heat their homes. Yeah. Okay. So that was really cool. I got, got to go climb up on the roof and and take a look at um, his technology. And I just really like to, you know, help people understand what technologies are available because a lot of people think, well, you know, the we've got the energy transition. Um, we've got, you know, a lot of sun, uh, a lot of sunshine in the summer, a lot of solar power in the summer, but you need a lot of heating in the winter, uh, not so much in Australia, but in, you know, in Europe and North America. But there's this mismatch, right? You know, people think it's a huge problem that we uh, have the solar power in the summer and need heat in the wintertime. But actually, there are technologies that exist to, um, you know, help solve that problem. And so I try to educate people about, you know, what are the easy problems to solve and what are the hard ones and how are engineers working towards that? All right. So let's let's just stay with that for a second as well. Um, yeah, and I'm, I've noted while we're talking, for those that aren't watching or just listening, you smile when you talk about what you do, which is awesome. You know, <laughs> I, I work with so many people that that you know, and I, when I consult to them, or you know, I become almost a life coach because they're like, "Oh man, I have to go to work." But every time I mention coming <laughs> on a roof or, or fixing a panel or something, like I see a smile. Now that's important, right? When you choose your career, and you know, I, as I say, I say STEM, and I'm like, "Oh, it hurts the head" because I know it's technical and maths and engineering and all these things. But you clearly do love what you do. Is that what you're getting across in the YouTube side of things? Are you talking about like cool things that happen within clean energy and mechanical engineering? Um, you know, and and what is the message to women out there, or not even women, young girls, right? That are now in maybe year 10 onwards that are going to start deciding what they want to do in life. You know, and and I don't want this to sound sexist, but you're right, engineering has just always been a thing. My dad's an engineer. We don't say my mom's an engineer. I mean, you can and you should, but it's always been <laughs> very, you've got these men hanging off the side of oil rigs, you know, like this picture that gets painted. Uh, and it's not that. I mean, that's not what engineering is in, well, never has been, but it actually isn't that. You know, just give us some of the, give us some of the cool things that we do as engineers. And I mean, definitely, as I said, it's not a, it's not a sex thing, you know, it's a, a brain thing. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's, it's not something I don't talk a lot about um, the gender in engineering. And, you know, if you look at my audience makeup on YouTube, it started out, it was like 99% male, and I'm all the way down to 91% now. So I actually, I was just looking at that this morning. And I was like, yes, I'm making progress. Uh, but I do love it. Sometimes people say, oh, I watch your videos with my, my daughter. Um, and I, I love that. Because for me, uh, it's, I, I think it's engineering still is is sexist. I, I don't tell people that it's it's not sexist that yeah. it's just normal. And there's no no difference being a, a woman in engineering to a man because that's not true. Um, but I I feel sad for like because I I love it like you say I, I do love it. I can and see I'm you just talking. There's a smile again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm lucky because I happen to really like something that the world really needs, and so it, you know. Uh, a lot of people have a passion for, I don't know, um, collecting baseball cards or something. It's like, well, you know, are you actually going to be able to make a living off that just just because you love it? But with something like engineering, it's 
you're, you're lucky if that's your passion because that is something that the world needs and will will pay money for you to do. Yeah. So uh, I feel very fortunate on that. But um, yeah, like thinking back to my childhood, I started, you know, I was basically, I think I was born an engineer and the way that I was playing um, as a kid was all engineering training, but it's not like you might think. I wasn't um, playing with Lego and, you know, technical Lego or um, I wasn't, you know, in the workshop pulling apart, um, you know, old TVs and putting them back together in new inventions. I wasn't doing anything like that. I was um, baking, a lot of baking. That was great engineering training and I would um, do like cake decorating comp competitions when I was in primary school I remember one time um, the first one I made was maybe nine or something and I made a saucepan saucepan cake um, and so that was pretty good because you know saucepan's round a cake is already round I used a saucepan lid to make a mold um, and made chocolate to make the you know the cake saucepan lid and then I needed a, a handle for the saucepan um, cake isn't stiff enough um, and then if I made it out of solid chocolate, it would be so heavy it would break the cake. So I used a, a crunchy bar. Um, so, you know, they're very, very lightweight, honeycomb, <laughs> honeycomb core. You've got a cantilever going inside your, your cake, but it's tasty. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's fantastic engineering training. Um, and a lot of baking is like that. I mean, it's obviously chemistry um, and it's also uh, materials engineering and structural engineering. And then the other thing that I did was I sewed a lot. I made clothes with my Barbie dolls um, and my sister had this this doll and I used to make it like I made it like a, a teddy bear fur jacket and and stuff like that. And that is very, very closely related to the work I do now with composite materials. You know, that's all fabrics. You've got to take a two-dimensional um, surface and turn it into a three-dimensional surface. Um, when you're sewing, you're also worried about the, the function of something. Um, you know, you create weak weak points um you need to reinforce them you need to move in things it's really advanced actually and i i think that a lot of people might say oh okay my my son is interested in in lego he's going to be an engineer and my daughter she just wants to to bake she's not you know she's going to be a baker yeah. or whatever but i really every time i you know i talk to parents I get them to consider if their kid is into, you know, sewing, baking, uh, plenty of other things. Like even gardening is a, you know, like a good um, problem-solving type of activity. I was going to um, say, problem-solving mindset, right, because that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're solving. You've got to make something stand up or connect or spin and not spin off the actual joint. Yeah. Thought, the axle. Um Yeah. So anyone whose kid is doing something like that, like that's a future engineer potentially. And um, the the real key is that you need to do maths if you want to be an engineer. Yeah, so I think that's important. Of, yeah, a lot of girls drop maths because their friends drop maths. Um, and if you get to year 12 and you haven't done maths for the last two years, you are going to have the hardest, hardest time in an engineering program. And yeah. because... Uh, the culture is still there that expects women to be less good at it. You need to have extra self-confidence to get through an enge engineering degree as a female. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can think of multiple examples where people tried to convince me to drop out of engineering. Um, and, you know, it's insane because I'm just so clearly born for this and, you know, what else would I do? But I, you see a lot of people, if they're like, oh, I like engineering, but I also like this other thing they're much more likely to just say, okay, engineering is too hard because, um, you know, people keep on <laughs> discouraging me constantly, telling me that I should drop out and getting, you know, worse, worse grades um, 
than my male team members. And yeah, so if you had something else you could do, then you could drop out and, and it happens. Just uh, conscious of the time, um, with regards to engineering or mechanical engineering in your instance, you know, mm. I've had a lot of chats with people being the tech person and being involved in technology. You know, something I say quite regularly, and this is why, you know, talking about education is so important. The jobs 10 years from now don't exist. We, we know that. I mean, you know, you're talking things, and I use an example. Architects are starting to design buildings with drone garages off their balconies because these little things are going to come flying and drop your Amazon parcel, right, at, at 20 stories up. Now, that job does not exist. There is no drone delivery pilot for buildings 20 stories up. It doesn't exist yet. What paths do people have in engineering moving forward, and how important is it to us for engineering? You know, I think of technology, I think, well, it starts with a computer. You have a machine that needs to be put together. You don't need to be an engineer to do that. In fact, my son and I, are busy. We actually sat last night ordering all the components. We're about to build a monster machine for him. For his, he's a gamer. Um, now I'm not an engineer. He's not an engineer. I'm 99% sure we're going to get this thing to work perfectly because there's little slots. Was it the engineer's job though to make sure all these pieces work? Heat sinking. You know, we've got liquid cooling coming in. You know, where does where does engineering and technology? And I know the two obviously, right? But what is your prediction for the future? And that might excite people to get into the field as well, right? Like if you say, well, if you want to fly in, in a Tesla flying car, it starts with an engineer. You know, that's the kind of question I'm trying to ask. Yeah, well, I think um, the good thing about an engineering degree is that you are not learning how to design a specific technology, uh, or at least most engineering programs are like that. There are some very specific ones, um, but uh, I would recommend if you don't know exactly what you want to do, then you choose a more broad degree. And, I mean, at its essence, engineering is learning the laws of physics or, you know, chemistry or, um, you know, computer science. You, you learn these science, you learn the science, and then you apply it to solve problems. So. Right. Laws of physics are never going to change. Um, so it, it is future-proof for, you know, whatever the technologies of the future are, they're still going to require someone who understands what the laws of physics are and how you will be able to, you know, take advantage of them to, you know, get the effect that you want in the future technology. So, yeah, there's heaps of technologies that I work on now that didn't exist when I started studying, like um, additive manufacturing is a good example, 3D printing. that I, I remember yeah. it was during yeah. my engineering degree when I first heard about the, the research um, in that and there was, you know, people were first starting to get those small printers that people printed out like a Yoda head. It was always a Yoda head. It was like nearly nothing, nothing else. It was always a Yoda head then, even then yeah. you <laughs> And said funny green yeah. color material. <laughs> and now engineers my age and, and older who, you know, were even further away from that technology existing when they studied, they're the experts in this field because, you know, they've got a background in something else that happened to, you know, provide one element to solving this new technology. So I think you, you keep on top of things by always being curious about what's going on, you know, in all, all kinds of fields, not just your own specific problem, and being able to recognize when, you know, the way you solved another problem could actually maybe help with this new problem that we've got. And um, yeah, it just works like that. So you definitely don't need to know the future. Um, 
to be Which sure that you're going to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I did a marketing degree at uni. We had four P's. Now I think there's seven or nine P's, price, product, promotion, I don't know. And I'm like, well, <laughs> am I out of it? And, it? and it's because, right, the technology changed. We marketed with magazines and newspapers. We didn't have the internet. Mm. That, wasn't, mm. that didn't exist. Um, but as you, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Physics will always be physics. If I sit under an apple tree and an apple falls, <laughs> it will come down to the ground on my head. It, it's never going to change. It might be a virtual apple. I mean, we might be in an, NF, <laughs> in a, in, in an NFT somewhere, and it might come down in the block format, and when it hits, and it, it might do weird things, but it's still going to go down. So I think that's quite important. So, yeah, as, as I said, unfortunately, and, and this is always the thing, you get into the topic and we start going, and then, yeah, time runs out. Um, Rosie, where, where do we find you? you know, where's the best place to find you? Is it engineering with Rosie on your YouTube um, channel? Yep. That yeah, to? that's the easiest way. I actually, I used to be on um, Facebook and Instagram, but um, Meta has just suddenly banned me from all platforms, including I've been WhatsApp. Banned a few times. It's all good. Don't but take it personal. It, it's actually. I don't even. Good. I hadn't even posted for months before that. So like how like how did I break your terms and conditions? But you know, they're the like gods of the the internet and you can't appeal it. So yeah. yeah. So I'm off no, those I platforms. Was, I was now. banned for a couple of days as well. And my all my posts to my wife was, what has he done now? It's like they expect <laughs> me they expect me to get banned, but it it's just the question of what did I do? But uh, yeah, maybe you can give me some tips on how to get it back. But to be honest, I I don't like those platforms anyway. So yeah, yeah. find me on on YouTube. That's um, where I'm most active. Or I'm also awesome. on LinkedIn, but that's probably not the um, you know popular popular platform that YouTube is. So. Well, I, I actually send my shot on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite platforms. So it's very good awesome. professionally. Yeah. Well, Rosie, thank you. Um, as I said, it it always does go really quickly when I get to the end of the show. I've actually left off some of the other things I was going to talk about. That's great. It saves me a little bit of time in, in next week's prep. Um, really appreciate you making the time to come on and, and sharing with us. Um, and I think the takeaway for me on today's show is that engineering is actually problem solving, which I like. You know, you've <laughs> yeah. got a problem. I, I'm thinking you've probably got one of those aprons, like when you barbecue or cook, it goes, yeah, I'm an engineer. I can solve anything kind of thing. Like I might have, <laughs> might have that vibe going. You know, like the ones, the normal ones are, Kiss the chef or something boring. I can solve that problem. Um, I have a barbecue that I was trying to connect up with an old adapt and a new one. I probably should have contacted you about that. There might have been a – I've got like three different hoses coming out of it now. Hopefully nothing goes wrong. But anyway. Did you solve it? Uh, I think so. I mean, it turned on, but who knows what's going to happen, you know, mid-cook. So we'll see what happens. Oh, good then. luck. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Um, and uh, yeah, that basically brings us to the end of the show. So until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny.